What is this? Are you trying to trick me? What is this? What's going on here? What are you people doing here? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. This is a different episode of Storytime today. Essentially, it's a rerun. But it's not really a rerun, it's a highlight episode. I'm not going to rerun shows for you, but what I've done is I've gone back and I've taken excerpts from various episodes, either my favorite episodes or episodes that you guys have said you really enjoyed, and I've taken some of the stories out of those episodes and compiled them in this, okay, rerun episode. If you haven't heard the stories before, I hope you enjoy them. If you have heard them before, I hope you enjoy them again. But here you go. This is the best of story time. My father was not a traditional father like a lot of fathers are. My dad was not a hunter. He didn't go hunting. He didn't go fishing. He didn't go hiking. He was not an outdoorsman of any kind. He didn't get into that kind of thing. My dad also wasn't into sports. He was not a golfer. He didn't play basketball or baseball or football, which was kind of crazy to me. I mean, I told you in the, the Father's Day episode I did, my dad was on crew when he was in college. That's that that sport where you sit in those long, skinny boats and row. That's what my dad did, and he was very good at it from what I understand. I don't know that much about his days on crew. I just remember he was on crew, and I have this picture of him standing there in his letterman's shirt from the University of Pennsylvania where he was on the crew. And uh, he looked like a strapping young man who was very athletic. But he never played sports. When I was growing up, that was a weird thing for me because a lot of the other fathers in the neighborhood did play sports. If we had a kid's game of softball or a kid's game of football or a kid's game of kickball going on, some of the fathers would come out and join in. They would pitch for us or they'd throw the ball for us or they'd shoot hoops with us. Whatever it was, you know, one or two of the fathers would wander out. My dad never did that. I shouldn't say never. Because one of the memorable moments that I have from my dad coming out to join us is one of those rare occasions we had a softball game and my dad came down from the house. We had, as I've said, a 300-foot driveway, so that was a long walk for dad. <laughs> you would think he was hiking to Nebraska, but no, he was just walking to the end of the driveway. But he didn't usually do that when we were out playing. He would stand on the front porch and holler for us to come in. He never came to get us. But for whatever reason, this one day we were across the street playing in Vinny's yard. You've heard me talk about Vinny. He was the one with the big yard where we had the softball field. And my dad wandered down to see what we were doing. Whatever the reason, he was inspired that day to come check us out, so he did. Now, my dad, as I sit here thinking about it, I remember the vision. Because my dad was a vision. My dad was a fashion plate. If you could imagine the prototypical dad wearing the worst possible combination of clothes, that was my dad. My dad didn't give a damn what anybody thought. He put on comfortable clothes to do whatever he was doing. If he was working, he'd grab his work shirt. If he was playing, he'd grab his play shirt. If he was going out in the heat, he'd grab whatever shorts were around. And whatever boots or shoes or sandals were around, he slapped them on his feet. He didn't care. I mean, he wore a suit for his job. He wore a suit and tie and was impeccably dressed whenever he went to work. But when he was at home playing or hanging out or just sitting and watching TV, whatever he could put on to cover himself up, that's what he put on. So this day when we were out playing softball, it was no different. And 
We were on the field playing softball, and one of the neighbor dads was out there, and my dad came strolling down the driveway and across the street to see what we were doing. And I leapt up and said, Dad, Dad, why don't you play with us? Be on my team. Be on my team. And for once, Dad said, yes, okay. And he sauntered over to where we were, and I was so excited to have Dad join us on the softball field. Now, the vision that I saw was this. My dad, six foot three, probably 250 pounds at this point, he had on his traditional white V-neck t-shirt. He rarely wore a regular t-shirt. They had V-necks. I don't know why, but that was his uniform of the day when he wasn't working, the white V-neck t-shirt. On this particular day, he was wearing a pair of Bermuda shorts. For those who don't know, Bermuda shorts go down to just about knee level, and they had some kind of a plaid pattern on them. There was some white and yellow and blue. This is how important this was to me. I remember what he was wearing. I don't remember what I wore yesterday, but I remember what my dad was wearing years ago when he sauntered out to the softball field with us. And then there was the piece de resistance. He was wearing his white athletic socks and a pair of black combat boots left over from his days in the army. Picture this, if you will. White V-neck t-shirt, bluish yellow Bermuda shorts, and black combat boots, and he comes out to play softball with us. Oh. My. God. In this day and age, I would have died of embarrassment because, oh my God, parents are embarrassing their kids. I was just glad to have him out there. It was, it was great having him out there. And he stepped up to the plate and the other team pitched to him and he took one swing. And I just remember he smacked the crap out of the ball down to right field. And that man started doing some kind of a run, more like a combat boot shuffle. The man didn't run knees to chest. He was not hustling down the line. It was kind of like watching a clown hustle down the first base line, and he had this goofy smile on his face. It was the funniest thing I ever remember seeing him do, was hustling down the first base line in his black combat boots and Bermuda shorts. And I was just delighted that he was out there with us playing softball. I don't remember anything else about the day. I just remember that outfit and that moment of him hustling down the first base line in combat boots. Now, this mannerly behavior goes back to my, uh, my episode about momisms and cursing. And this is partly why I don't curse as much as other people do, because I was taught never use foul language in front of adults. Well, actually, I was taught never use foul language, period. The theory is it's disrespectful, and it really kind of is. I, I never used foul language. Even as an adult, I never cursed in front of my parents. I just never did. I just never did. My mother would curse in front of me occasionally. She would, as I said in that other episode, she would spell out S-H-I-T and she would use the H-E-L-L. But that was about it. My father never had any, <laughs> had any filter at all. But the, the reverse was not true. If, as a child, I used any of the language, even spelling it out in front of my parents, <laughs> let me tell you, we were in trouble. So, just as a point of polite behavior, even as adults, 
even though everybody around you is cursing like a sailor, I still find it much easier for me to just not use foul language. It's not really polite language. And people say, what's the point of being polite? You know, people treat you differently if you're polite. So be polite. Have some manners. Show some respect. And using regular, everyday, dang it kind of curse words instead of cursing like you just fell off a naval ship is probably a better way to go. Now, if we wanted to see what we call a first-run movie on TV, we'd have to wait for it to come around to TV. And there was a long waiting period. I mean, back in the day, movies stayed in theaters for a long time, weeks and weeks and weeks. It's not like today, where a movie will release on January 1st, and you'll be able to watch it on Netflix on March 1st and own a copy of it by April 1st. It wasn't like that. If you saw a movie that you wanted to see and you didn't get to the theater to see it, You would have to wait for the networks to buy the rights to it and then decide to air it. And the studios wouldn't release the rights right away. They'd hold on to those rights. So it could be years before you ever saw a movie that was in the movie theaters and be able to watch it at home. Now think about that. There was no instant, I can see this next week or maybe next month. You might never see it or you might see it five years down the road. It was a weird a weirdly different way that was just the norm for us. It wasn't weird for us at the time, but looking back, can you imagine having to wait five years to see a movie? And the thing is, if you didn't see it when the network aired it, you'd be out of luck because they didn't necessarily repeat it right away or ever. There were times where they might never repeat a movie. It might only, it might only show on TV one time. And if you missed it, you were out of luck. One of the things that I started to do as a kid to try to get around this, this lockout of movies, if there was a movie or a TV show that I particularly wanted to see, I would actually get a little tape recorder and I'd set it up near the TV so that I could record the dialogue from the movie. Obviously, you couldn't see it, but at least I could replay the sound of a show that I really, really liked or the sound of a movie that I really enjoyed. And for years, I did have those cassettes somewhere, but the cassettes have lost a lot of sound quality over the years, so they're completely unlistenable now. But I do remember actually sitting in my room, popping a cassette of Starsky and Hutch or The Great Escape into the cassette player and listening to it during the afternoon while I was doing my homework or during the evening when there was nothing on TV that I wanted to watch. That was the closest we came to being able to record a movie. I also had a very difficult relationship in my 20s that went on and off and on and off and on and off for three years. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't a bad relationship. We had disagreements. We had differing viewpoints. As I sit here today, I don't remember anything specific that made me want to break up with her. And I don't remember anything specific that made her want to break up with me. But over the course of three years, we broke up six times. We would last about five months and things were great and we'd go out and do things. We'd go on trips together and, you know, the usual movies and TV and dinners and all of that. We did everything that couples do together. But after about five months, one of us would just pull the plug. My mother called it the on-again, off-again, in-again, Finnegan relationship because we would just break up all of the time. 
I don't know if we lived to break up, if we loved to break up. I don't know what it was. And I wish that I could tell you what it was, but I don't know. To this day, I don't know why we broke up, but the breakups were agonizing, agonizing. The first time, I believe the first, and I don't remember the sequence, but I believe the first time was when she broke up with me. And it kind of came out of the blue, and I was devastated. Now, I was 25 years old, 26 years old, something like that. And we'd been dating for about five months. And it just blew me away that, that she would break up when we were so close and having such a good time, and I just didn't understand it. And I did the typical male, oh my God, I can't believe this. Now, some, I shouldn't say typical male. Some guys handle breakups better than others. I did not handle breakups well. I, I, I just didn't. I think the problem is I tend to give 100% of my heart and my attention and my existence to the person that I'm with. Back in the day, I would just dive. It was like diving into a pool. I wouldn't put my finger or my toe in the water. I just did a full belly flop into the pool of love and just went all out. So everything that I had was devoted to that relationship, which is great because you're really into the relationship and everything feels good and it's amazing. But the problem is when the relationship ends, you are completely devastated. You are completely wiped out. It is emotionally draining. It is mentally draining. You don't eat. You don't sleep. You get agonizing pain in your heart and your soul about what's gone. And it hurts. And I was wailing, wailing on her front porch. I remember this. Oh my God, my least proud moment of my life. Because I remember her going inside, shutting the door, locking the door. I heard the door lock. And I didn't have a key. And I was just wailing on the front porch. Why? Why? You can't do this. Oh, it was, it was like a really bad scene from a really bad romantic comedy. I mean, <laughs> it was nothing as cool. <laughs> it was nothing as cool as John Cusack standing there with a boombox over his head. No, it wasn't that. It was... <laughs> Some 25-year-old slumped on the porch, wailing, why? <laughs> I was such, I was such a basket case. Oh, my God. Such a weenie. Such a weenie. And yet, <laughs> and yet, despite all that, she took me back. She took me back. After about a month apart, she missed me, and she contacted me, and I was at that time a boy. I was an eager little puppy dog. <laughs> okay, let's get back together. <laughs> because I had not gotten over it. I had not gotten over it. So when she called and wanted to get back together, I was like, oh, okay, let's go. And we did. We got back together. And we lasted another five months. And then I don't know why, but something got to me. I, I still, to this day, don't remember what caused me to break up with her. And as I was preparing for this episode of the podcast, I was trying to remember. Now, we broke up six times, but why? And I don't remember the specifics. And that's another tip on relationships. Down the road, you might break up today. But down the road, you're not going to remember it. It's not going to matter to you. When you find the right relationship, it's not going to matter to you. What happened in the past is in the past. Yes, I'm stealing from Rafiki in Lion King. 
But what happened in the past is in the past. And it doesn't matter why you broke up. You won't remember why you broke up. It hurts like hell when it happens. But you won't remember and it won't matter. All I can tell you for sure is we did break up six times. And each one was wrenching, but in a different way. The first was the worst. When I broke up with her, I still felt the loss, but it wasn't as bad for me as it was for her. She didn't wail on my front porch, but she was very upset. But after a month, I missed her, and we got back together again, and we repeated the cycle, rinse and repeat, two more times. She broke up with me, then I broke up with her, she broke up with me, and the last breakup came, and I knew it was the last breakup, because I just couldn't take the roller coaster anymore, and I was just tired of it. Just tired of it. And so that was the last breakup. And it was hard. Because I knew, I knew I couldn't take it anymore. There, there comes a time when you know this is it. And that was it. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh, chocolate chip cookie dough. My downfall as a kid. Nowadays, you can go to the store and you can go buy a tube of chocolate chip cookie dough. Or you can go buy the tub of chocolate chip cookie dough. It's not the same. It's so not the same. There is nothing like your own homemade chocolate chip cookie dough. And my mother would make it. And I would always want to lick the beaters, grab a spoon, sneak it out of the bowl before she ever cooked it. There's something about chocolate chip cookie dough that's in the mixing bowl before it gets to the oven that is just so good. Oh my God. I could eat an entire bowl of chocolate chip cookie dough. I almost did as a kid because I learned how to make it just so that I could eat it. Yes, I made the cookies. Don't get me wrong. I made the cookies, but boy, did I eat that chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh my God. It was so good. But I learned how to make chocolate chip cookie dough because I wanted number one to have the batter. Number two, learn how to make cookies. Because cookies are great. Cookies are awesome. Cake is good. Brownies are good. Cookies are awesome. Because you can have cookies anytime. Even with a brownie. And I love brownies. I actually like brownies more than cookies now. But when I was a kid, oh, those homemade cookies out of the oven, whether it was chocolate chip cookies or oatmeal cookies or whatever cookies that we made, they were so good. Because there's nothing, nothing, nothing better than a cookie made from scratch. Fresh out of the oven, Oh, my goodness. And I've told you, my grandmother had a jar full of cookies whenever we went up to visit her. My mom's mom, this was, the one who put the bread on the cookie jar. I've told you that story. Yeah, for those who may have missed that episode of the podcast, if you make a batch of cookies and put a slice of white bread either in the cookie jar or in the container with the cookies, it keeps the cookies soft and fresh. Don't ask me why. It's science, and that's beyond my ability to comprehend. It just works. My grandma told me so and proved it to me every time we visited. So she always had cookies, fresh homemade cookies in the cookie jar. And they're so good. So good. Along those same lines, and this is another thing that came from daily use, because I, I had a brother and a sister, and we would occasionally call each other names, and we were taught don't call people names. Just don't. And really, why would you? I mean, in, in conversation these days, how many times do you find yourself saying, oh, what an asshole that guy is? A lot. But I learned, and one of the reasons that it's hard for me to do it to this day is because we learned not to call names. It's just not polite. 
the roughest pe- the roughest name I could get away with as a kid was, oh, don't be a jerk. That was about it. And even these days, that's about as extreme as I get. Okay, when I'm driving in the car by myself and some asshole cuts me off, I will call him that. But for the most part, I just tend to stay away from calling people names because that's how I was brought up. Don't call names. And along the same lines, don't make fun of people for any reason. It's just not polite. Not only is it not polite, it's mean. And there's no reason to be mean because being mean is, again, not polite. And it gets you nowhere. So don't be mean. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate you listening to all of the episodes, including this best of episode. Hope you liked it. If you have any suggestions or stories you'd like to hear on future best of episodes, message me on Twitter, whisper me on Twitch, just let me know. We'll find those stories. We'll put them up in future episodes. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.